Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast of the OBG Med Student. My name is Dr. Tess Chase, and I'm one of the residents at Penn State Hershey Medical Center. Today, we'll be talking about vulvar and vaginal disease. If you'd like to do some reading beforehand, you can go to Beckman and Ling, Chapter 28 in the 8th edition, or you can follow along online with the APCO topic number 35. You can also visit apco.org backslash students. I have with me today Dr. Tanya Wright, who is the clerkship director. Hi guys, thanks for listening in as we work through a case on vulvar and vaginal disease and Dr. Chase will be asking me some questions. Let's get started with the case. This is a 20-year-old G0 college student who comes to see you because of persistent vaginal discharge. She has been sexually active with her boyfriend for the past six months and uses condoms most of the time. She describes her vaginal discharge as yellowish and notes some mild vulvar irritation. On exam, she has normal external female genitalia without any lesions or erythema. There is a gray, yellow discharge on the vaginal walls and pooled in the posterior fornix. Her cervix is grossly normal but bleeds easily with manipulation. Dr. Wright, what's our differential diagnosis? So our differential diagnosis would be bacterial vaginosis, which actually can occur 22 to 25% of the time in patients that present this way, trigomoniasis, 4 to 35% of the time, gonorrhea, chlamydia, candida, 17 to 39% of the time, and also consider that some amount of vaginal discharge may be physiologic. Okay, so what tests are available to help us differentiate these disorders? So the cornerstone of diagnosis is actually the saline wet mount. This is collected after a sterile speculum is placed inside the vagina and a cotton swab is used to collect the discharge. Be sure to avoid cervical mucus as this can cloud your diagnosis. You want to apply one to two drops of normal saline onto the slide then add a cover slip and examine under low and high power. Another important test would be the 10% potassium hydroxide test. Potassium hydroxide in a few drops is applied to the slide. The goal of this is actually twofold. The first part is that it destroys cellular elements to aid in the diagnosis of yeast. However, if the patient has bacterial vaginosis, this will actually produce a positive amine or whiff test, which is a very fishy smelling odor after the KOH has been applied. Another tool is the vaginal culture. This provides a medium for growing out yeast if present. There's PCR testing for chlamydia, gonorrhea, candida, and trichomonas. And finally, there's a vaginal gram stain, which calculates a Nugent score for bacterial flora, and this can be helpful in identifying bacterial vaginosis. This Nugent scoring system assigns a value to different morphotypes seen on the gram stain of vaginal secretions. Dr. Wright, what findings would suggest trichomoniasis? So the patient will typically complain of a yellow, frothy discharge with an odor. When the vaginal pH is tested, it will be greater than 4.5. Remember, normal vaginal pH is between 3.8 to 4.5. Furthermore, on saline microscopy, you should see flagellated modal trichomonads. And these patients, if there's ever an inconclusive finding on wet mount, can have a vaginal culture, and that vaginal culture would be positive for trichomonas. 
Trichomonas is treated with metronidazole as the cornerstone and tinidazole as an alternative. It is important that sexual partners are treated fully because this is a sexually transmitted disease and that patients should be encouraged to be screened for other STDs. Even though this is a sexually transmitted infection, it can also survive in swimming pools and hot tubs. It can be associated with PID, endometritis, and can facilitate HIV transmission. Wow. Dr. Wright, what findings suggest vulvovaginal candidiasis? These patients will typically present with a complaint of thick white discharge with itching, soreness, and dyspareunia. Again, your saline and KOH wet mount will be important here, and you will typically see blastospores or pseudohyphae. The vaginal pH here would be normal, so less than 4.5, and these patients, if ever an inconclusive a wet mount, can have a vaginal culture, which would be positive. Candida albicans is present in 90% of all cases, but there are other types as well, including glabrata and tropicalis. Candidiasis is more common in patients that are pregnant, obese, diabetic, or on certain medications such as contraceptive pills, oral corticosteroids, antibiotics, or patients that have habits that keep the vagina moist, such as wearing yoga pants or non-cotton underwear or daily panty liners. The treatment would be antifungal topical azole creams or oral fluconazole. What findings suggest bacterial vaginosis? Patients with bacterial vaginosis will oftentimes present with a thin, gray vaginal discharge with a fishy odor. This is a polymicrobial infection that is characterized by increased anaerobic bacteria and a decreased lactobacilli. Three out of the four of the following would be positive. This represents AMCELL's criteria. One, an abnormal gray vaginal discharge, vaginal pH more than 4.5, a positive amine or WIF test, we described that earlier with the application of KOH, and then more than 20% of the epithelial cells are clue cells. Clue cells are epithelial cells with borders that are obscured by cocal bacilli. The treatment would be oral metronidazole or vaginal topical metronidazole or oral clindamycin. What are some other reasons that women may present with vulvovaginal itching? So while yeast infection can commonly present this way and is probably the most common, you should absolutely consider that there are other possibilities. Contact dermatitis, for example, atrophic vaginitis in our postmenopausal patients, and lichen sclerosis or simplex. How would you counsel this patient about vaginal hygiene practices? You want to generally say less is more with the vagina, Dr. Chase. So you want to avoid shampoos or highly scented washes or douches. Patients should use mild soap and wear cotton underwear. So what if you make all these lifestyle modifications and the itching persists? Well, if the itching persists, it could actually be another benign vulvar condition, such as lichen sclerosis or simplex chronicus or planus. Any areas of concern with persistent itching despite treatment should be biopsied. So let's say you have a patient who needs a biopsy, and you take one and it comes back lichen sclerosis. Then what? Lichen sclerosis is a vulvar condition characterized by itching and cigarette paper or parchment paper, thin white appearance to the skin. It can even lead to obliteration of the labia minora. Histologically, there is marked inflammation and epithelial thinning with blunting of the reti pegs. 
Treatment would involve topical corticosteroids, and there is an increased risk of developing squamous cell carcinoma. What if the biopsy returns and shows lichen simplex chronicus? Lichen simplex chronicus is associated with the itch scratch cycle, meaning your vulva itches, you scratch it, and then that releases a number of inflammatory markers or mediators, and then that encourages the patient to scratch some more. This leads to a skin that is very erythematous, excoriated with fissures and scaly patches. Histologically, there will be epidermal thickening, elongated reed pegs, and hyperkeratosis. The treatment here, again, is topical steroids. What if the biopsy returns and shows lichen planus? Lichen planus is a rare inflammatory condition that can affect the skin, oral cavity, vulva, and vagina. The skin will show pink purple plaques with round or irregular shapes. Histologically, there is lymphocytic infiltration giving a purple appearance. So going back to our case, what do you think of our 20-year-old with abnormal vaginal discharge? So based on what she's presenting with, a thin gray discharge, and based on our evaluation under the microscope with the saline wet mount, she actually meets three out of the four positive for AMSELS criteria, and therefore this is consistent with bacterial vaginosis. I would want to treat her, and she can be treated with oral metronidazole or topical metronidazole, it's important to say here that bacterial vaginosis is not sexually transmitted, and so therefore there's, there's no need for her parties to be treated. However, patients under the age of 25 should be encouraged to have STI screening if they are sexually active without 100% barrier contraception. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the OBG Med Student covering vulvar and vaginal disease. If you'd like to read more about this topic, you can go to Beckman and Ling, Chapter 28, or study APCO topic number 35. You can also go online to apco.org backslash student.